Listener Production. Northern Hemisphere stock markets slip in languid trade with US markets closed for a holiday. And Aussie shares expected to open lower on Tuesday ahead of the Reserve Bank's board meeting. I'm Tom. And I'm Ryan. It's Tuesday, the 5th of September. Welcome to the Comsec Market Update. Ryan, I always feel a little bit gypped when Wall Street's closed for a public holiday. It doesn't feel like the morning is complete for me. There's something missing, isn't there? <laughs> it's like the end of the footy season or something. It's just there's a, there's a hole that needs to be filled. Do we, we probably need help. A cry for help. But nonetheless, in terms of uh, what we saw for Northern Hemisphere stock markets with Wall Street closed, uh, US futures were modestly lower. The range over the course of the session, they were actually doing reasonably well up until uh, several hours ago. Uh, The S&P 500 futures, for example, were up by about a quarter of a percent, but then they slipped into a hole. Uh, They're just in negative territory now, bearing in mind that the liquidity there would be pretty compromised, so you wouldn't be sort of hanging your hat on it. I wouldn't have thought terribly much. Uh, European markets were generally weaker, having equally slipped from modest gains, I suppose, although the FTSE had a decent run at it. Uh, at its best, it was up by about one and a quarter percent, finished down 0.2 of a percent. French market down by a quarter of a percent, German market just in negative territory, as was the Stocks 600 index. Again, it was up by about a percent at its best level. So the resource stocks did quite well in European trade overnight. Technology, leisure are doing well. Uh, I was surprised by the negative performance as far as energy stocks were concerned. We'll get to that in a moment because that remains topical. Any thoughts, Ryan? Well, it was all about China's policy measures once again. Mm. So that did have some impact on US futures overnight. And then if you look at Europe, we did see the basic resources sector up by 2% intraday at one stage. And that was on optimism over top steel producer China's policy support for its struggling property sector. And we heard yesterday that Beijing has approved the setting up of a special bureau to promote the development and growth of the private economy. The private economy, Tom, is responsible for 80% of new urban jobs and has struggled to attract investment amid a frail economic recovery in the first half of this year. So what we're trying to see there, I guess, is some stimulation around domestic demand. And on top of that, we also got an update on embattled Chinese developer Country Garden which won approval from its creditors to extend payments for an onshore private bond, major relief for the firm amid the crisis-hit property sector. And at face value, all all of those uh, points that you highlighted uh, seem to hit the mark. You saw the measure of property developers associated with the Hang Seng up by more than 8% uh, in the session policies that are going to be deployed in a range of their biggest cities, they're going to reduce down payments on property purchases. In a leveraged situation, I don't know if that's the best outcome, but look, we're all just learning, aren't we? They're going to uh, still sort of aim to cut rates over the course of the medium term. Are you encouraged by this, Ryan? With this um, gun to your head, would you be um, lobbing up with money to invest in Chinese property developers. I wouldn't be touching them myself with my own money, Tom, at the moment, <laughs> for obvious reasons. But you ma- you raise a very good point. China's trying to deleverage at the moment, and this piecemeal approach to trying to shore up the property sector just doesn't have a good no. feel about it. But nevertheless, we did see the iron ore price up. It was mm. up in Singapore trade by 0.6%, trading near five-month highs 
on the back of China's policy support for its ailing property sector. And that was represented by, as I mentioned, the mining shares up by 0.6%. Those gains did ebb during the day in Europe. So just to quickly wrap that up, like Country Garden, who is the source of this concern, um, who have restructured their bond repayments over three years, uh, that stock up 14%. But let's just keep things in context that that organisation has seen its shares fall by the better part of 80% since January. So down by about 76% in year-to-date terms. Some work to do for that organisation, I'd say. Turning our attention to other drivers of the European share market overnight, we did see tech shares up 0.5% as shares of Dutch semiconductor equipment maker ASML rose 0.8%. And your favourite company, Novo Nordisk, the Danish drug maker, it lifted by 0.7% to a new record high. And it's now Europe's most valuable company, displacing LVMH. And that's after it launched its weight loss injection, Wegovi, in Britain overnight. And the drug rollout in Europe will occur despite ongoing supply constraints. The drug will be available to certain patients through the famous UK National Health Service. You know, if you're dealing with shortages and people who are taking it for vanity's sake, um, rather than needing it to get through their day. I mean, that's a sad commentary on things, isn't it? It is, Tom. Now, before we get into trouble, let's uh, (laughs) move on to Mercedes-Benz. So the car maker saw its shares up 1% after unveiling a new longer-range electric vehicle. So you'll be very much into this, Tom, being an F1 fan. So we had the IAA Auto Show Munich on the weekend and Mercedes showed off the Mercedes-Benz concept CLA class, while BMW revealed the BMW Vision New A class. I presume that's new for German. This is the most aggressive push into electric vehicles from Mercedes and BMW as they look to catch up with Tesla. And you'll be excited to know, Tom, that Mercedes claims a car will have a range of 750 kilometres on a single charge. And it claims that in just 15 minutes, the battery can be charged, the car can be driven 400 kilometres. So we might be able to get to Brisbane eventually <laughs> with one of these cars. The uh, the marquee brands are coming, Ryan, when it comes to, to this landscape. And you understand a little better than why you have seen the discounting on the part of Tesla. They are going hard at trying to establish or defend at least their market share. And that uh, discounting piece has been a feature since the beginning of the year. Absolutely, and that'll be interesting when Tesla opens up tonight and we'll see what the impact on their share price is. In other developments in Europe overnight, we heard from European Central Bank President Christine Lagarde. And back from Jackson Hole. Back from Jackson Hole, back with a tan perhaps. Always with a tan, Ryan. Permanent yeah. tan. Yeah. She said central banks must pin inflation expectations at their targets at a time when changes in the labour and energy markets as well as geopolitical turmoil causing price swings. So effectively what she's saying is we need to keep inflation anchored and of course there's some concerns around headline inflation with those gasoline and petrol prices lifting at the moment. Yeah, so this is, as we spoke about yesterday, uh, the coming weeks will be very important to see whether or not these oil prices consolidate at this higher range. Indeed, and of course it all depends on what happens with Saudi Arabia. As we mentioned yesterday, it's looking to extend its voluntary 1 million barrel per day cut for a fourth consecutive month in October. We saw the Brent crude price up by 0.5%, hitting 89 US dollars a barrel overnight. So that's going to be a bit of a headache on the inflation front for central bank policymakers. Today is an important day. You feeling wistful 
I'm feeling a little bit sad. It's the end, end of, of the epoch. End of the era. Governor yeah. Philip Lowe. It's his last meeting. Dr. Lowe will be uh, waving his silk hanky out the window of the train as it departs apparently, the station. Apparently, he's going to be working on his golf handicap. That's his next stage of his career. That's what he's been right. saying. Where's he a member, do you reckon? It would have to be over in the east, wouldn't it? Eastern suburbs of Sydney. Why do you say that? I think he lives that way. Oh, does he? Well, you are, I must say, you are impeccably informed. You are well, a fine researcher when well, it comes he, to, you would make a very good private investigator. I've seen in the newspaper, he either rides his bike or walks to work. So we certainly would live in my neck of the woods towards Manly. Right. Don't know where to go with that one, to be honest. Um, Let's just yeah. give a review of what the Reserve Bank's <laughs> meant to do today. Exactly. So. It's almost uh, hardwired, the expectation that they'll do nothing today. So the... Limiting factor will be the accompanying statement, as always. The entree to Ms Bullock's reign uh, will be provided by this statement. I think today the focus will be on the outlook, as always. So I expect the Reserve Bank to retain its tightening bias, just so it looks like it wants to continue to focus on inflation. So broadly, we expect the Reserve Bank to hold the cash rate at 4.1% at its September meeting, retain its tightening bias. Data over the month has broadly tracked in line. With the RBA's forecasts, the unemployment rate is slightly higher, inflation slightly lower, and that provides little impetus for the RBA to shift from its current wait-and-see approach on the data front. Still, we expect somewhat more challenging inflation dynamics over the next few months, Tom, given what's happening particularly with energy prices at the moment. And yesterday, we saw the latest release from the Melbourne Institute, and it does a monthly inflation gorge. And while the monthly numbers were quite subdued for both headline and trim means, uh, stripping out the volatile components, up 0.1% and 0.2% respectively in August, the headline inflation rate on an annual basis rose from 5.4% in July to 6.1% in August. We talked about this last week when the monthly consumer price index or indicator was released that would get a pickup in August. Mm. And also the trim mean measure rose from 5.1% to 5.7%. So... Reserve Bank will remain on the front foot with inflation on the back of that. We saw job ads up by 1.9%, according to ANZ, in the month of August. That's the biggest lift since June 2022. So that suggests that the labour market still remains resilient at the moment. And, of course, we did see some weakening when it comes came to corporate profits and inventories, which feeds into the gross domestic product or economic growth data, which is released tomorrow. So now we're expecting to see potentially quarterly growth of anywhere between a negative number slightly to a slightly positive number. So certainly we have seen the impact of the 400 basis points worth of rate hikes, particularly on consumer spending, but the labour market still remains firm and inflation, particularly on the services side, also is rearing its head. So that suggests that they'll probably remain on hold in September, but there's still a risk on Melbourne Cup Day, that they may lift interest rates one more time. Indeed. So that is why the remainder of the week is so important. Tomorrow we get National Council GDP. On Thursday we get the employment report. In a perverse sort of situation, you kind of almost don't want strong National Accounts figures tomorrow because that means that there's more room for the RBA to lean into a rate hike. What, what we're also seeing at the moment, the other dynamic we haven't really talked about is home prices and we did see home prices up by 1% in August. That's an additional headache for the Reserve Bank because stronger activity in the housing market is inflationary. Of course it is. So 
Let's just quickly wrap up with the look at what's happened where commodity prices have been concerned. So we've seen a bit of a firming for commodity prices lately. Uh, the US dollar index overnight. So that's the way that we tend to measure the fortunes of the US dollar. Uh, it's a basket of currencies me- measured against the greenback. Uh, this measure uh, just moderated a little bit overnight. Had a decent rally since the end of uh, last month. Uh, but it has moderated overnight. So that's seen the Aussie dollar hold up at around 64.6 US cents. Just seen gold bump higher in the last couple of hours. So it's up by about $2.60 to 1,942 US dollars per ounce. Ryan, anything uh, that you'd like to add? Just on the gold front, we have seen, of course, a big focus on what the US Federal Reserve does. And the impact on bond yields there has provided some support for the gold price in, in recent sessions. Though, uh, just looking at the latest gold futures numbers, they have come down a little bit. It's down 0.1% for the day. Aside from the Reserve Bank board meeting today, Judo Bank Services Purchasing Manager Index is released with the balance of payments, government finance, and new vehicle sales in Australia. Sarah Resources, a graphite company, issues earnings, shares of corporate travel management, link administration, Origin Energy, Northern Star Resources, Pilbara Minerals and Viva Energy Group all trade ex-dividend. Those shares could be lower and be a bit of a weight on the market. We've got SPY futures currently down by 18 points or 0.2%. Have a lovely day. We'll speak to you tomorrow. This podcast is prepared, approved and distributed in Australia by Commonwealth Securities Limited, ABN 60067254399, AFSL 238814. The information does not take into consideration your objectives, financial situation or needs. Consider the appropriateness of the information before acting and if necessary, seek appropriate professional advice. Listener.